You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Is losing fun? No. What are you having fun for? That's what losing sounds like. Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the podcast searching for its first Webby Award for the football team searching for its first win. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, I'm excited to be here for a Just Jets podcast as we go for our fourth win. Oh, wait a minute. We're, we're covering the other shitty team that plays in New Jersey right now. So Giants. All right, let's delve right into it. This was a miserable weekend, and the Giants dropped a fifth consecutive game to the winless Los Angeles Chargers, 27-22. to um, I say miserable not necessarily because they lost, but because this the heart of the season is completely gone now. Um, in just four quarters, the Giants lost every starting wide receiver on the roster to injury. Um, I believe the first out was Brandon Marshall to an ankle injury. The second out, I believe, was – I could have these two backwards. Sterling Shepard left with an ankle injury. Um, Dwayne Harris broke his foot, and Odell Beckham Jr. broke his fibula and is out for the year. Yeah. I mean I, I'll give a full disclosure before we start the show that I did not watch the game live. I was actually flying, so I was – kind of watching on my phone and then once I got in the air I had to rely on the audio um, the WFAN broadcast and on constantly on Twitter updating so I had to go back and watch it later on so um, I didn't get the live you know instant reaction you do as as you do as a fan so uh, having said that you know this is one of those games where your season's defined by which direction you're gonna go and uh, you know you know, besides the uh, obviously the injuries and everything, it's just you know Eli Apple being benched, you know to start the game, uh, you know everything about it just seems weird. And uh, I don't know. I think we're now we talked about being in the abyss before at zero and two, but now it's kind of franchise defining at this point. Where do we go? It's not just how do we muck through this season, but what's going to happen, you know, in two thousand eighteen and beyond because we're we're at a real crossroads. Well, I'll say forget the season. Um, you know, we were already dangling to a thread of being any sort of maybe not even a playoff contender, but just somebody who could sneak in or just mess things up for the people in charge uh, or, you know, in the running. But without the without Odell Beckham, who is without a doubt one of the top three players in the game, um, and pretty much the only lethal weapon on this team, uh, th- there's just no hope for this team. There's no way, and there's a there's a real chance that this team wins less than three games this year. Um, yeah, and, and also you you have a silly young coach who, in my opinion, I think is completely over his head right at this point now. And when you know when you start going. The avalanche starts falling and it starts getting faster and faster and faster. This is when, you know, the last thing you want is a a forty year old coach with minimal experience who has too much on his plate. And uh, you know, three four years ago when we started Owen whatever we had Tom Coughlin who's a, a bedrock, 
you know, who's been through all this before and you, you know, you never felt like, you never felt like the Giants are going to win two games. You know, right now it just seems like everything is falling to pieces and, you know, it's time to reflect and see what are we going to, what is this team going to do? You know, what, 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 you know, short term, medium term and long term. I mean, I think that's what the theme of the show is going to be today is, you know, how do we look at it with still having raw emotions from, you know, 30 hours ago? So, I mean, in breaking down this game, you know, by individual and, you know, by unit, it kind of just spelled out, you know, in conjunction with the fact that they're now 0-5, it just spelled out that, you know, I'm writing the same things week in and week out now. Uh, so it all kind of it all culminates into the same thing. It's, it's how do we fix this? And it's going to be a multi-step process. It's going to take a whole, a whole year this year of developing the young guys brought in and a whole off season of bringing in new talent and plugging holes and, you know, getting rid of dead weight. Um, so, I mean, we can go right into it. I, uh, you know, let's just start with the offense. Cause I don't know where to start. Well, I guess we start off with saying, you know, what do we want the rest of this year to be? I mean, I think we're going to have an interesting debate. We, I was interacting with some people on Twitter yesterday, and for those who don't know where we are, I am at the at the cranky fan. He's at football underscore grump. Um, the question of tanking came up, and to me, it's fairly obvious. If there's nothing to play for, and I mean, there's truly, really nothing to play for at this point. I mean, I don't think you try to deliberately lay down and let guys score on you, but I don't think, you know, you do the extra things you have to to try to win. I think we're at a very unique potential situation that you can get either a franchise quarterback or a franchise offensive tackle. And, you know, winning meaningless games in week 13 and 14 could alter the, the direction of this franchise for a decade. So to me, it's just like, you know, fuck it. <laughs> well, now you develop, you develop your young players, like you, you said in the beginning, Grump. And, you know, if Eli has this, if Eli's not feeling 100% or something, you sit him. I mean, I know there's a consecutive game streaking along the line, but I don't think Eli cares about that that much. Uh, you know, maybe this is something where you get Geno Smith out there to help his trade value in the future. You know, maybe if Davis Webb is progressing along further during practice maybe you throw him in or something i would not throw him in unless he's 100 percent ready i mean i don't want to i'm not advocating tanking in that fashion because you know if you don't get that franchise quarterback in the draft you might stunt his uh you know his growth but uh i think this is what this season is really on, on the short term is all about now it's just see what you have on the 53 and even some practice squad, squad guys and and move forward and don't worry about wins or losses. And if you lose, that's probably the best for the franchise. Well, yeah, I think, I think what, what you're saying without even realizing it is that, um, the rest of the season is going to mean different things to different people. Um, sure. you know, for people like JPP who just signed a big deal and we know what he's capable of when he has some help, he's got nothing to gain or lose here. When you have maybe a guy like Brandon Marshall, um, who is on the roster? Who is who signed through next year? He can, if you know, if he gets back to health and can play, he can prove now that he's worth the next year on his deal. You know, yeah. I know, I know, people like to point at him as as a scapegoat for everything, but I've watched him get better from week to week. Um, and you know, there's 
still 11 games left in this year. There's a lot of time for him to prove that he's worth another look next year and not yep. just a cap casualty. Yeah, let's let's start from the top down. I know a lot of people are, you know, fire McAdoo, fire Reese. I think we're saying who this is, you know, this season means different things for different people. This really means something to McAdoo. Yes, it does. He's the uh, next Reese, person I was going to mention. Yeah. I mean, because Reese, I mean, the GM is a GM. This is the roster. It is what it is. The, you know, the evaluation we made in the offseason, but his fate is probably determined whether he's going to stay or go already. I don't think there's anything like if this team ends up three and 13 as opposed to five and 11 or seven and nine, that's not the difference right now with the general manager. It's, does ownership still have the the confidence that he can build a roster and maintain a roster? However, McAdoo can can show something to Reese and ownership that the guy's worth half a shit. I mean, if this team just completely falls apart and not in a way of a coordinated tank, but just free fall into an embarrassment, and you see Giant Stadium with twenty five thousand people, and you know. Even worse than people bitching and moaning on the fan, just a team that's ignored, he'll be gone faster than you know it. If he shows that he can kind of rally this team a little bit and they show like they want to play for him and it doesn't look like the complete clusterfuck that this team looks like now, he may get another opportunity. You know, the the Maras are very conservative people by nature. They're they're not the Jets. They're not They're not Al reactionary. Davis. They're not they never have been. And which, look at the teams that are very stable. You know, the Steelers, the Packers, us. You know, they don't uh, – they're not making moves every three years because, you know, things aren't going the way they should. And they're successful over the long term. So. Well, yeah. Um, so just to address um, some common fan reactions regarding those two guys, and I agree with everything you said, pretty much what I was just going to say. Um you know, when it comes to Jerry Reese, the the common complaint is ignoring the offensive line and not really much else. I mean, sometimes the draft is brought up, and you know, people debate on whether or not he's had success in the middle rounds or not. I think, I think more recently he's had more success in the middle rounds than there was a there was a four year gap there where he was taking more risks than anything. But I mean, people forget that he's just the general manager and he's pulling the trigger on what his scouting department and Mark Ross are doing. So that's not entirely him. And he's also responsible for all the free agents brought in. I mean, when you when you're saying, you know, let's see what Chad Wheeler can do. Eric Flowers stinks. Just remember who signed Chad Wheeler. Yeah. And and when you say, you know, remember what, Weston remember Richburg saying, sucks, but... but Brett Jones is great. Brett Jones was the most sought-after CFL player, and the Giants got him. Who got him? This is all still yeah. Jerry Reese. So whether you want to blame the draft or not, don't forget that Jerry Reese has a hand in everything for the roster. And also, we we went through a pretty subtle shift in the offense. We went to Ben McAdoo. It was a you know a really different style of offense. It's different as you're going to see in the NFL. Yeah. You know, it's it's different. It's not like college. You went from the wishbone to the fun and gun. I mean, it's you know going from a more of a bombs away big play offense to more of a quick, fast, or, you know, short little pass, dink and dunk type offense, that requires different blocking, different scheme, different everything. So, you know, you're kind of changing as a general manager on the fly, your personnel. Exactly. Um, and that's something that's not brought up ever. Um, and with Ben McAdoo, you know, listen, guys, I hear you. Um, I have never been the greatest fan of Ben McAdoo, I, but I've also never been his greatest critic. I've kind of just sat back and watched. Um you know, it's funny because I know it's a what have you done for me lately business, but 
a couple of months ago, this guy was in the running for coach of the year among among the very same people now running him out of town. I understand, and I, I hear you. Um, I'm just saying the guy deserves a little bit more time. Uh, you know, this year's team has been destroyed by injuries. Um, he's admitted to some of his own mistakes and has made corrections. I think a lot of people had a bad taste in their mouth last year from the, the, the beginning of the season when it was a bad start. And he came off, you know. And again, I don't – I personally don't take any stock into press conferences. But a lot of people, you know, that's the most interaction they're going to have with a coach is what he says in those, in those, in those uh, you know, interview sessions. It's not just what comes out of his mouth, but the way it comes out of his mouth, the body language. And he just came off as a guy that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. You know, Tom Coughlin from day one insti- inspires confidence. Uh, you know, think of the think of the really good coaches have been in this league the last 20, 25 years. Think of their just the way they present themselves. I mean, he came up on day one with, you know, and this is silly stuff, but it's perception. You know, he looked ridiculous in a suit that didn't fit. He looked like a guy that just, you know, looked like a schlub, you know, and didn't say much, didn't, you know, has every cliche in the book if he says anything. And people don't, you know, that doesn't inspire confidence. Now, whether that translates to practice and what goes on the field, probably doesn't, but you're fighting public perception. and especially in this town where once the snowball starts rolling down the hill, it's very, very difficult to, you know, to, to overcome. And an 11 and five record is the only stat really last year. You can kind of say, you know, that's, that's the stat that ma- I know it's the stat that matters, but you can, people say this offense sucked in the second half of the year. I'm going to, I'm going to address something. Things. Yeah. I just want to address something here because, you know, I like to remain real here because, like I said, I don't feel strongly about Ben McAdoo one way or another. I'm trying as an observer to step back and really look at things. You know, it's funny how criticism works where the last – I would say three weeks ago, the biggest knock was that this offense had not scored more than 20 points in however many weeks dating back to last year. And now three weeks in a row, the Giants have scored – the Giants offense has scored over 20 points – and that's not really a headline anymore. There's no headline that the offense is starting to move and score points. We don't care about that anymore. We have new criticisms for Ben McAdoo. Yeah, I, I, you yeah, know, they... there there is a little bit of, you know, look, journalists are going to be sensationalists, right? They're going to go with the headline and they're going to keep the ball rolling because that's what their job is. You know, that's what sells. But if you really want to be critical and take a step back, it's important to note that he has made adjustments He's added to the run game. He's leaned on it a little bit more heavily. He's figured out mismatches. He's This offense scored over 20 points three weeks in a row. Is that a huge thing? No, but you can't on one hand say they can't even score 20 points and then ignore the fact that they did just three weeks in a row. Well, I'll counter that by saying he was helping the running game because Paul Perkins is out. And, and to Paul be Perkins fair, was he, only out for half of last game. And, and all of the, and all of this game. And what about the week before? Wayne Gallman didn't even play in that game. That's true. But I, I think, though, people are going to criticize the fact that he announced back in February that he was going to be – or whenever it was, April, he was a starting quarterback uh, – a starting running back when, you know, no track record to, to get that. Again, it's a perception thing. I understand yeah. that. But, but when he said that back then, people were excited about that news because they were sick of the Rashad Jennings-style runner and Paul Perkins had showed them at the end of the year. That was not a negative headline when it happened. Yeah, it was just kind of a 
It was, it was like, kind of an, it was like an it was like an eyebrow raising, but it wasn't like hmm. Like I didn't sit around and think about it for you know a day or so. We wouldn't. Have, I don't even Nobody think we even did. addressed it. I don't even think we even addressed it in a podcast, really. Did we? No. Uh, See, but I think we might have mentioned it, but I don't think we. You had might have, any we might have mentioned it. it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's one of those things. Like it's a little thing, but when you start evaluating a coach, it's like, well, let's think about his, you know, his decision to do this. Maybe was you know I I don't know. My gut feeling is Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese stay for at least one more year. That's my gut feeling. Well, I think I think it's the same. I think the best thing that happened to the fate of both of those guys is Beckham getting hurt, because you know it's hard to it's hard to get rid of coaches and it's hard to get rid of players when they get hurt. I mean, it's just I I'm go back to again my experience with Florida Gator, you know, college football is that we had a coach, Will Muschamp, but everybody knows he doesn't get fired. But through attrition and injuries, we were down to our fourth-string quarterback. So when you lose a game to a 1AA school, but you're playing with a, basically a walk-on quarterback, it's hard to fire the coach who a year before went 11-2 and because you're your fourth-string quarterback. So losing Beckham is like almost like losing your quarterback, especially with this offense. Especially not when you when you compound that with no Shepard right now and no Marshall. And, oh man, there's just nothing. And all, then all of a sudden you've gone from a on paper a pretty good wide receiver core, which may not have been you know, translating to the field just yet, to all of a sudden guys we were kind of saying who's battling for that fifth you know roster spot. All of a sudden, get him back off the practice squad, get him back off the street, and get him in here. I mean, I even was reading today a little bit about is Victor Cruz the answer? <laughs> There's no answer. This the, the answer no is answer. the season's over. The, the, the answer now is start watching, uh, you know, film in, on Saturdays of guys you may see, you know, with a, a, a super high draft pick. All right, so let's let's get into that a little bit. I mean, I don't want you know, we have a whole lot of time between now and the draft, so I don't want yeah. to go too and much it, on this, and I will spend we, a lot of time and, and in we, it. Right, and we promise everybody we're not going to do this same. Yeah. You know, every single episode, like we may have a little uh, segment on, you know, thinking to April. But I think right now it's kind of relevant because it's this is the hot topic. Like, what do we do? All right. So so here's the thing. The rest of the year, like we said, is going to, you know, we're going to focus a lot on the young guys and what their role is, um, who's staying, who's going, who can make a you know, a spot for themselves. And, you know, going forward now that this season is officially lost, that's something we can really comment comment on week to week. But in the meantime, for for just this week, why don't you tell me what you think the fuck is wrong with this team? What is the general positions? What is what is the what? Why aren't they winning? It's amazing because I think you can break the season down into two parts already. I think you can huh. say the first part of it was, you know, the offensive line was so bad the offense couldn't do anything. We had no running game, and then all of a sudden, the defense didn't do can't do anything anymore. And we've lost the last couple of games. Because of defense, we lost the end of the Philly game, couldn't get a stop, you know, couldn't stop a final drive. We lost the Tampa Bay game, same thing. This, same thing. So it's really kind of, it's shifted, I think, from the fact we had no offense and no running game to we can't stop anybody. I think a lot of, and also something I always refer to as losers lose syndrome, where I think once you start losing, the little breaks and, and, uh, bounces don't go your way anymore and all of a sudden you know right after the Beckham thing 
you know, Eli just back to pass, which I think was idiotic play calling anyway. You knew that was going to be a fumble. You knew they're going to recover. You know, it's just like it becomes that here we go again. Losers lose. So, so what is it on defense that's the problem? I think the I think the secondary is not communicating. I think uh, I think Eli Apple is completely regressed, and I think now it's a mental thing with him. I don't think Landon Collins is as as good as he was last year. Um, I mean, I think it's the pass rush. I think I think the secondary is fine. I think the Chargers yeah, had get, plenty of three and outs last week. The but they were all the times that they were able to get Philip Rivers flustered, um, which was not often enough. And I mean, that's kind of been the problem this whole time. There's there's no pass rush from Olivier Vernon because he was hurt pretty much right away. Well, um, I was, was going to say that I, I felt like the the, the, the pendulum swift from bad offensive defense started when he got hurt. I mean, but but. To supplement that, we have no linebacker capable of blitzing and no linebacker capable of covering. I mean, Jonathan Casillas is pretty good at both of those. He's he's very good against the run, and he's pretty good against those things. But, you know, Keenan Robinson has not played well since last year, and it might have something to do with the concussion. I have no idea. B.J. Goodson is still learning. Um, I have hope for him, but right now, not so much. Devon Kennard is probably the closest thing we have to a pass-rushing linebacker, and he's been pretty good. About what do you expect from a fifth round pick, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the thing is, we don't have, and I, I mean, this is obviously reaching for gold, but we don't have that Von Miller kind of guy. We don't have, you know, a linebacker that is schemed against. There's no difference maker there. There's different make difference makers on the on the defensive line, and there's difference makers in the secondary, but there's nothing in the middle, and that's been our problem. Right. Been and that's those... why these tight that's why these tight ends are destroying us every week. Exactly. And it's also why we can't really seem to stop the run. I mean you the know? frustrating thing is you you were seeing a Charger team that was probably in worse straits than we were, you know, just you know, Philip Rivers in the first half of that game, you know, looked like a very old man. <laughs> he really did. Yeah. I mean people say to Eli losing it, Rivers looked looked terrible. And it's a it's a team you need to put away. You know, and that's what makes it even more frustrating. I mean, if we would have lost yesterday to become 0 5 to against a team like, uh, let's say Philly, you know, that's one thing. But that Charger team, oof. yeah, I, I think in the long run they're in more dire straits than we are, you know. But you know, yesterday we we couldn't do a damn thing to stop them by the second half. There was just nothing. Um, and I think I think that's the real key area here is the the inability to get to the quarterback at all. Um, and that's going to be something that they're going to have to look at in the offseason. Uh, I don't think Olivier Vernon is any sort of problem or anything like that, but there needs to be something else to help him and JPP. There needs to be a guy from the second level that can blitz or fake blitz or and, and cover. Um, and, you know, it's something I'm going to have to keep an eye on on Saturdays because there's not a whole lot of guys like that in the league that don't get retained immediately for bigger contracts. You know, well, I guess the first, I guess the first question really is, you know, if we're looking at this from a free agent standpoint, well, I, let's even take this even a step higher. Does this team require a rebuild, or do you think there's just a few pieces that are missing? Because if it's something where it's requiring a, a rebuild, I think it's very safe to say you're going to see this whole defense stripped apart and, and sold off, you know, and, and just cut and you know cap hits and we move on. No, I, I mean, I don't think it's a full rebuild, and I think partly is because they've already rebuilt it. Um, there's just missing pieces. So if you look at the secondary, I mean, you have an all-pro safety, in my opinion. You have uh, a first-round pick at cornerback, however good or bad he may be doing. 
um, and you have you know one of the best corners in the league, um, and you also have a third round pick for the other safety. Um, and the defensive line, you have three of the big money contracts are there, and they're they're all good players. I, mean, I don't care what people say about JPP. I mean, yesterday he was the only guy in the defensive line, right. you know, doing anything. The question the question is going to be though if they're going to you know, let's say seriously retool if not rebuild, especially the, you know the, the offensive line or something, because all of a sudden you know we were saying before like well Western Richburg you know they got to resign him to a a big money deal and Justin Pugh but. Is Ritzburg getting that contract? A big money deal? No. He'll probably get yeah. something though. Um, you know, he doesn't get a lot of love for his pass blocking ability and what he does, you know, making sure everybody's assignments are right, uh, which is a big part of a center's job. You know, there's not a whole lot of those double clutch snaps. There's not even a whole lot of false starts on this team. I mean, a lot of that comes down to the center and, and the quarterback. But I think the thing, you know, around week six or seven last year, the conversation starting about, you know, salary cap and it's like he's going to command big money now the question is will somebody from another team overspend to get him you know i don't think so um it's possible you know they, they look at the same tape that the fans see and they're like this guy can't run block really well forget it you know and i don't think they're the they're gonna outbid the giants for him is he someone you want to resign forget the money then is he something like, like we want to continue with him or do you think you know that might be something that might be a uh a cap casually just by I mean it's definitely possible that he's he has not performed well enough to uh warrant the second contract it's definitely possible but I think it's also safe to say that you know had this guy had any sort of help on his right side for run blocking you know we wouldn't even be discussing what he can and can't do in the run game you know yeah. you have you have a guy who was not drafted for his run blocking ability and you paired him up against but the worst run blocker on his right side in terms of his pass blocking, you know, there's not a whole lot of the rushes coming past him. You know, he's not really the culprit often. It's usually come from, you know, the blind side, the right side, or the, you know, the right guard spot <laughs> have been the, yeah. the worst spots. So it hasn't really been him in those scenarios. But I mean, Justin Pugh, I think, is a guy who, if for no other reason, his versatility. I mean, he's been rock steady, whether he's been at right tackle or left guard. And I think at this point, he's still our left tackle if Eric Flowers has any sort of issues. So I think that guy is definitely commanding a contract from us. Uh, I don't think teams are going to outbid us for him. Uh, do you think Do you think at this moment Eric Flowers is getting dumped on by the media just because it's a it's an easy cliche and it's just lazy journalism? Or do you absolutely. think he's actually getting I don't, better? I think he's actually getting – I mean, again, I want to preface this by saying it's a low bar, but he has been getting better. Um, and I think every time he does the slightest thing wrong, and by the way, every player makes a mistake in every game. No mm-hmm. one pitches a shutout. Uh, the penalties are going down. The penalties have been almost non-existent this year with him. Yeah. Um, you know, every time I hear the same – I've heard this every single week from different journalists. Eric Flowers had hands up around the neck of the defensive end. No flag for some reason. Or, you know what? If there's been no flag through – five now officiating crews it's not a penalty yeah i you know that's not a fluke that's not a missed call i mean these officials are non-biased but they know what they're looking for and they know the guys that they're looking for them for if you don't believe me ask guys like demontre moore and you know even olivier vernon and vontez perfect they know these guys tend to commit certain penalties and they're on the lookout for it every week so they know Eric Flowers tends to hold, and if they haven't called it, it didn't happen. 
Right. I mean, as far as we're concerned, yeah. As far as the the game is concerned, it didn't happen. Yeah, you're you know, right. a play here and there, yeah, it gets missed. But I mean, five weeks in a row now, I've had a mm-hmm. different. I've seen somebody on my Twitter timeline say that. This week, I don't think Eli was really truly running from his life too much, and when he was, it was coming from Bobby Hart's side of the line. At this point, and I'm surprised I have not heard a single person say this, you know, I've been watching my Twitter timeline implode with people saying, you know, tank it for Saquon, let's get Sam Darnold, forget Eli. Every year, for like the past 10 years, the Giants have had some no man's land draft pick at like 12 through 18 where nobody wants to trade and every time there's some bonehead who's like oh we should trade down and get more picks like no one's ever going to trade up to that spot and now the way it works but now we're in a situation where we have a guy that we drafted this year to play quarterback in the future potentially a guy who is clearly not done play as our starting quarterback and we might have the first round pick don't you think now is the time that we might be trading back a couple of spots for a team that really needs one? Because that's what it seems like to me. That seems almost obvious. Because to me, also, this is not an Andrew Luck draft class with Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. Right, but Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen is a step up, significant step up, I think, from Davis Webb. It's it's definitely possible. But, I mean, to me, you have all these other question marks, I think – you can move from pick one to pick three and also get another first-round pick, and you have a chance of getting yourself a big-time lineman and a pass rusher. I think one of the beauties of Davis Webb was we were going to bring him along nice and slow where there wouldn't be that much pressure on him you know, to replace – even when he's ready to place Eli. It would be almost like an Aaron Rodgers type of thing. Exactly, and I now, think you can but still now, do but that. Now, but now if you're saying I am going to pass up the number one pick in the draft, I'm going to pass up a guy, Darno, Darno for him – you have all of a sudden ratcheted that pressure up, up on him a lot more. I don't think so. I, I think that's a that would that would kill a GM's job if that didn't work out. I I mean I really I think it would but only I, kill I it, it if 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 that first round draft pick became something. And to be honest with you, this is not a Peyton Manning draft class. It's not an Andrew Luck draft class with these guys. You know, Sam Darnold is not having the greatest year, and there's a lot of knocks on him already for a guy coming from the Pac-12. This isn't an SEC either. Um, yeah, but you know, again, numbers aren't as critical as you know what the scouts see, you know, and mechanics. And, oh no, that's what I mean. This yeah, is a guy who's yeah. been criticized for staring down receivers and not working his way through progressions. I mean, these are, you know, obviously advanced things that quarterbacks need to do, but they're not hyper right. advanced. You know, this is what you'd expect a first overall pick to be able to do, and uh, you know, he's got some legit knocks on him, and he's not playing at. He's not in, – in the Pac-12 for me as a quarterback, you've got to be dominating the competition. And I'm not seeing any sort of domination here. So yeah. I don't think – I think in this case, this is, a, this is a prime opportunity to entertain the idea of obviously not tanking for the first pick, whatever. But if you happen to have it, this is a, this is a pullback scenario. Um, Potentially. It, it, it would – again – this fan base would not be happy with that, and that you have to. I think you have to kind of consider it a little bit, you know, what the blowback is going to be if, you know, this team suffers through a two and fourteen season, they get number one pick, and all of a sudden they're trading down. I just don't know what they think of Davis Webb. Now I wonder what they think of his progression. You know, by the time you get to April, 
you know, you're going to have a whole year of Davis Webb in the program, you know, on scout team, whatever he does to, you know, prep for games and, you know, is he developing along at his own pace? Sure. I mean, these guys know pretty quickly this guy is never going to be an NFL quarterback or, you know. But my, my only thing is going to be is I, I would not lock him into stone as the, the heir apparent. We're also making the assumption that the first overall pick, I mean, yeah, San, Fr- San Francisco is pretty brutal, too. And there's a couple other teams that could still end up. I mean, look, I made a bet before the season started that the Jets wouldn't win more than four games. And I get it. They've won three teams still sucks yeah and heck it's all you know the, some of these teams that look kind of decent like the rams and stuff can still fall off the face of the earth in the final 11 games and you know be awful yeah so it's we're not just we're not saying you know oh well you know because beckham isn't playing this team is locked up the first overall pick here, here's the way. beauty of that here here's the beauty of not having an andrew luck and peyton manning style draft class that means that a lot of guys that aren't good quarterbacks get shoved up into the top ten, and guys like Josh Rosen are going to move up there, and that the guy from Wyoming, Josh Allen, you know, mm-hmm. these guys are all going to get drafted high, and this is what happens. So even if you have a fifth round pick, you might be in a position to trade back and get yourself somebody like Saquon Barkley to, you know. Be the be the starting running back. I mean, I'm not sure that that's the answer. I'm not saying it is, but I yeah. mean, you put yourself in a position to get a star at another position because remember, Jimmys and Joes make teams, and not X's and O's. So, that's true. I mean, if you get yourself a star left tackle like Trey Adams, why not? Are you know, are you locking yourself into Eric Flowers by not taking a left tackle? I mean, that seems dangerous to me. Yeah. So, I mean. There are areas that need to be fixed, um, and I think this is a reload, not a rebuild. I think the team has already been pretty much rebuilt. There's an exoskeleton, and there just needs to be some skin and some organs. You know, the linebacking core needs a playmaker pretty badly. The offensive line needs at least two upgrades um, somewhere, whether it be free agency or the draft. Left tackle, right guard, right tackle. These are all positions that really need to be looked at very hard. So so you think this this could happen, This this kind of reload – Without the expense of tearing down, you know, large pieces that seem to do it. Yeah, I think a lot of it is going to depend on what the fate of Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese is. And so we'll have to see that as this year goes on, what what, what their fate will be next year. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would think at the bare minimum, if if McAdoo keeps his job, and even if Reese does, you're going to see some major shuffling in coaching staff and responsibilities. Yeah. I think I mean, so. I, there might be still... a time where he's told that he is not allowed to call plays anymore. Oh yeah, sure. Well, fans, fans will get what they what they were claiming for all off season. Uh, you know, Travis Rudolph was activated from the practice squad. Darius yeah. Powell was added to the practice squad. Tavares King was re-signed. Um, all our old friends. And Roger Lewis is you know, for all the shit that poor guy has gotten, uh, you know, he's been a pretty much close to an ace on special teams with a couple of stupid gaffes here and there and cut his only his only target was a touchdown pass last week where he beat casey hayward one-on-one the best corner on the chargers roster beat him right off the line of scrimmage um yeah. there is talent to develop with roger lewis and travis rudolph and this is going to be the weeks to come we're going to see it happen well i mean that's kind of going to have to be it for us coming up friday yeah. morning we will have a uh game preview for the debacle that will happen in denver i will be in denver to witness this game from the nosebleed sections and hopefully i'll get one um 
good thing there's edibles out there because you may need them, my friend. <laughs> you might see some weird tweets from me. Just ignore that. <laughs> and you'll find all those tweets at, at football underscore grump. And um, you can find the up the <laughs> the episode at, at just giants pod. Wow, Captain Segway is working. His... <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, we're getting that Webby Award. That was fantastic. <laughs> you can find me at the Cranky Fan, where I promise you, I was I try I, I tried to relax on this podcast, but my companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan, we talk about Florida Gator football, is not going to be as pleasant as this one. That I can guarantee you. There'll be some piss and vinegar because i'm i got different uh beef arguments yeah i have a lot bigger beefs over there so uh but you can find me at the cranky fan um you can talk about the 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 giants and what what you all think uh you know it's one of those things where if you would have caught us sunday night we'd have a little different attitude than we do tonight where it's just kind of all right what do we do how do we how do we how do we fix this thing it's much easier to be calm when you're completely out of the running yeah, he kind of had this detached thing where at least you can sit and watch the Knicks. And, oh, never mind. <laughs> they, they, they suck too. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.